I got to first say thank you to Lisa Stover and her team and the WOW kids for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you so much for wherever they are. I don't, know if you've, I don't know if you've noticed lately, but it seems like the youth and the children among us are leading in quite a few ways, and we thank God for that. May we listen to the prophetic voice of the youth. So today is our second Sunday in the season of Lent. Lent is this uh, about six weeks that leads up to Easter, and so um, this Lent season, we are following Jesus on the journey to Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem, and then ultimately what would be his arrest and crucifixion. And so we started following Jesus on this journey last week uh, in Caesarea Philippi, at a mountain near Caesarea Philippi. And you can see that uh, the band loved it so much they decided to set up there uh, at Caesarea Philippi. And it was there where Jesus was transfigured in front of his disciples. And uh, they saw him in a new way. They saw the glory of God, the fullness of the glory of God in Jesus. And they heard the voice of God telling them, Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. And so as we follow this journey, both geographically and spiritually with Jesus, on the way to Jerusalem, we started with Caesarea Philippi and God telling us, listen to Jesus. And so then according to Mark and Mark's gospel, the uh, second stop, of Jesus along the way is Capernaum, which was a city on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And if you haven't found our website yet for this series, waysofjesus.com, I highly recommend that you check that out. There's good information for you there, geographic, historic information. Uh, there's also a link to the Lenten devotional that's being texted out every day. And, um, and the previous messages will also be there. So waysofjesus.com is a good resource for you. I recommend it. And uh, in case you don't recognize the reference, the Ways of Jesus, right, the, the traffic navigation app, uh, one of the things that makes that useful is the fact that it gives you not only your um, directions, how to get from A to B, but also uh, gives you real-time course correction on your journey as uh, you're heading that way, because you never know what's going to come up and what's going to happen. And it crowdsources it. I mean, it leverages the input of people just like you in your area and on those same roads and traveling that same path. And so it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool app. But, um, but for us, we're following the ways of Jesus this Lenten season as we're on our journey of faith and preparing to celebrate Easter. And so... The ways of Jesus brings us to Capernaum today. And it's here at Capernaum where Jesus has a conversation with his disciples about, among other things, temptation, sin, and what to do about that and why. And the way it starts, actually, Mark tells us that on the road from Caesarea Philippi to Capernaum, Jesus overhears his disciples talking, and when they arrive at Capernaum, he asks them, hey, I heard you guys arguing. What were you arguing about? And it says they don't want to tell him what they were arguing about because they were arguing about which one of them was the greatest disciple. Who's better? Who knows more? Who's more holy? Who's got Jesus figured out? Who, who knows how that went? 
interesting the things that we will argue about in the name of the faith, and then when we come face to face with Jesus, we realize, oh, that was stupid. And then, I think in a, in a master move to try to shift blame, it says that John, one of the disciples, says, oh, yeah, but Jesus, have you heard about that uh, guy out there who's casting out demons in your name? And he's not one of us, so we've tried to tell him to stop. Right, like, because when you get caught, you go, "Oh, well, what about that guy?" <laughs> and it's at that moment that Jesus teaches them something, and that's where we're going to pick up in the story. Now we're still in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter nine, and this is basically the end of chapter nine. And so we're going to put it up on the screen, and I'll read for you out loud, Mark nine forty-two through forty-eight. And this is what Jesus said to his disciples in that moment. He says, as for whoever causes these little ones who believe in me to trip and fall into sin, it'd be better for them to have a huge stone hung around their necks and to be thrown into the lake. If your hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off. It'd be better for you to enter into life crippled than to go away with two hands into the fire of hell, which can't be put out. And if your foot causes you to fall into sin, chop it off. It'd be better for you to enter life lame than to be thrown into hell with two feet. If your eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter God's kingdom with one eye than to be thrown into hell with two. Because that's a place where worms don't die and the fire never goes out. And so what Jesus tells them over and over and over again is the danger of tripping and falling into sin. In fact, that phrase is used each time there, whoever causes one of these who believe in me to trip and fall into sin, or if your hand causes you to trip and fall into sin, or if your foot causes you to trip and fall into sin, or if your eye causes you to trip and fall into sin, and over and over again, Jesus is talking about what causes you to trip and fall into sin. And as I was reading about that, in fact, other translations of the Bible use some different terminology. That was the common English Bible. Uh, some translations say, if you cause one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, then it would be better for you to have the rock tied around your neck and thrown in the lake. Or if your hand causes you to stumble or your foot causes you to stumble. Other translations say, offend. So if any of you offends one of these little ones who believe in me, or if your hand causes you to be offended or your foot causes you to be offended... And so that piqued my interest, like, why is such a different way of interpreting this? So I went back to the original language, to the Greek, and the word that's used there for uh, to cause to trip and fall into sin, that term that we just read, there's one word that's used there in the Greek, and it's uh, scandalizo, or scandalizo, which you might think the same root as scandal, right? I mean, something scandalous, but what it means, what that word actually meant, the scandalizo was to cause something to be caught or snared in a trap. Scandalizo was for something to be caught in a trap. And so that made me wonder, well, okay, well, what does that mean then in the context of what Jesus has just said? What he's saying is if, if anyone among you would cause these little ones who believe in me to be caught in a trap, in a snare, 
or if your hand causes that for you or your foot causes that for you. And actually, that's kind of that's the literal, the physical meaning of that word. The, the figurative meaning and even the spiritual use of that terminology back then was to cause someone to distrust that which is trustworthy. You with me? So the word that is being used there by Mark quoting Jesus in this warning was about causing someone or even yourself to be caused to be caught in the trap of distrusting that which is trustworthy. And making application of that in terms of our faith in Jesus, then it'd be causing someone to be caught in the trap of distrusting the one who is trustworthy. So this causing to stumble and fall into sin is causing to be caught in the trap of not trusting in Jesus. This is the warning that he's given to his disciples. You know the trap that I'm talking about, the snare, it, it was this one. This is my version of it. But, um, but it's, it's that old, you know, like a, a box or a basket or something um, and a stick. You've seen this, right? Well, this is not new technology to anyone, right? <laughs> if it is, let me wait till I show you the smartphone. Um, <laughs> you, you've seen this, right? This kind of rudimentary trap somewhere before. So this is literally what that term means, is to cause something or someone to be caught in the trap. The, the more curious thing to me was that scandalizo, which is the verb, the noun root of that is scandalon, and the scandalon is, is literally the stick in this contraption. The stick that causes the trap to catch whatever it is that goes into it, right? I hope this works. Right? I know, right? Again, technology. Um, but what Jesus is saying is don't be the stick, right? He's saying don't be the thing that causes those who would believe in me to then distrust me, to distrust the one who is trustworthy. Specifically, scandalon. Don't be the stick. Like, he wasn't talking about the bait or even the trap itself. The warning to us all is don't be a stick. Thank you. Don't, don't be in the stick. There's enough sticks running around in this world. There's enough stick-like things that are happening. Don't be that guy, <laughs> that girl, or that person. Don't be the thing that would cause someone to distrust in Jesus. 
don't know about you, but it causes me to ask the question, then how do I not be a stick? I don't want to be a stick. <laughs> Can I get an agreement on that? We don't want to be sticks, right? So what does it mean to not? And I, I think it's helpful for that answer to look at the context of the conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples when he decided to use this terminology and give this example. Remember, it says that when they were walking to Capernaum, he had overheard them and asked them what they were talking about, and they didn't want to tell him what they were talking about because they were arguing over who among them was going to be the greatest. He was tapping into their need to be the morally superior one, to be the one who's right. Jesus said, you know, that, that's, that's sticky kind of behavior and an attitude to have. And then, remember John trying to throw the blame off? Says, oh, yeah, well, what about that guy? He's out there doing stuff in your name, casting out demons in your name. But he's not one of us, so we tried to stop him. Right again, with this analogy, Jesus taps into that need inside all of us to be in. Whether it's in power or in control or in the in crowd or in people's news feeds, in their timelines, we just have this thing in us as need to be in. I mean, I, I tell you, I see it on a regular basis from Christian leaders, preachers, teachers, who I think used to be in, used to be in power and used to have influence and have sensed that their influence is waning. And so, so now they're coming out just saying more and more outrageous, hateful, hurtful things. It is, in a sense, it is our need to be the morally superior one or group our need to be in and for someone else to be out, that Jesus is highlighting and saying, that is causing these little ones who would believe in me to distrust the one who is trustworthy, to distrust Jesus. That's why you read things about the church hemorrhaging members Younger members, this young generation that's coming up behind us. Because in so many places, in so many ways, they're looking and they're reading about the church and about Christians and about Christianity, and they're going, what? Because too often we get preoccupied with arguing about who's right and who should be in power and who's in and who's out. Never mind people who aren't in the church and we're thinking, hey, maybe they would want to believe in Jesus too. And they're seeing this, this need to be right, this need to be in power, this need to be in, to be superior. Instead of a need to be merciful and a need for loving kindness, 
and a need to see lives transformed, and a need to see healing in the broken places, and a need to see communities made whole, and everybody lifted up to know the name of Jesus for themselves. So Jesus said, don't be a stick. And then he also said, beware of the sticks in your life. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You'd be better off without it. Your foot, your eye. Pay attention. Be aware to the things in your life that would cause you to distrust that which is trustworthy. To distrust the voice of Jesus that God told us to listen to. Pay attention to where those things are in your own life, and they may even be important or significant to you. And in some ways, a part of who you are. And yet, if they're causing you not to trust, to put your faith in Jesus, then you're better off without him. Watch out for the sticks in your life. Because, Jesus says, you're better off without those things than you are to have them and to go to the place where worms don't die and the fire never goes out. We've heard that referred to as hell. I think to come back to this analogy, if you will, that's the trap that Jesus is talking about. This, in this scandalizo and trapping, the trap is to be trapped inside this box of distrust. Of Jesus. Separated from a life following the teachings and the ways of Jesus that God created us for. In fact, I think in some weird way we even get that flipped around and we think to believe in God and to follow Jesus goes in the box. We, we just It looks like this. It sounds like this. It must, you must behave this way, and it's got to be all this in this box, and everything else is bad and wrong, when in fact it, it almost seems to me the other way around that what we're saying is to not trust Jesus is, is to be caught in this trap, in the box. The fullness of God and who God is and who God created us to be and the life that God created us to live is out here. In freedom, in unlimited love and mercy and grace. So Jesus said you're better off without those things that would get you caught in the trap, in the box. So if there are those things in your life, be done with them. Put them away. It's why an alcoholic doesn't go to a bar. (laughs) You're better off without them. And so if we're not going to be fighting and arguing over who's right and who's got it figured out and who's got the moral high ground and superior in the faith and in this world, and and if we're not just going to be worried about ourselves and being in and in the in crowd and in power and in Jesus' circle and, and then who's out and who's in, and rather we're going to listen to the voice and to the words of Jesus, Then our living, our thinking, our doing becomes about 
loving God and loving other people with everything that we have. Giving and serving. Blessing the least among us. Which is why every year here at this church, at Roswell United Methodist Church and Chapel Roswell, we take a week to focus on our impact in the lives of people around the globe. It's, it's our global impact celebration. And this year, our global impact celebration is going to be focusing on the injustice that is happening right here in our hometown and all around the world. If you haven't already heard about the global impact celebration, you'll be getting some more information about it this week. We kick off our global impact celebration this week. Among other things, you'll have the opportunity to hear from a woman who was rescued out of trafficking by an organization called Street Grace. You'll get to hear from a mother of a child in a school right here in our community. And the injustice that she deals with directed towards her because she doesn't have the proper documentation to be here. We kick off our Global Impact Celebration Friday night, and those women will be here to tell you personally about their experience. And our hope is that throughout the weekend of the Global Impact Celebration on through next Sunday, not only will we raise all of our awareness about the injustices that are around us, but then we can find tangible ways that we can be a part of bringing justice, bringing hope to those places. So as you hear more about the Global Impact Celebration, I hope that you'll pay attention and find places to plug in, to connect, and to participate. And so thinking about following the ways of Jesus, and particularly this week at Capernaum when Jesus said, beware of those sticks and don't be a stick, don't be a hazard, don't be a block to somebody's journey to their faith, to putting their trust in Jesus And watch out for those things that would be a hazard and a block for you in your life. That's why we've put these cones around the center here is to sort of embody the idea of the hazards that exist. And if you think about it just the way we're in the room right now, these hazards, these blocks are separating us from the journey of Jesus. And so in just a minute... When we finish and we will sing one more song, I'd like to ask you if you would participate in removing these hazards and just come and get one. And as you do, though, would you let that be for you? Let it represent for you. Maybe that hazard, that stick, that, that thing that exists in your life that is tempting you to not trust in Jesus. Or God bless you, maybe you would be willing to acknowledge, you know what, sometimes I'm a stick. And I may be a stick in somebody else's life. And I don't want to be that. And so the cone could just represent that for you. And then, if you'll come and get it and just bring it up here to Capernaum. (laughs) So Capernaum is this wooden square right here that also contains the Sea of Galilee. This This is not to scale, but... 
But what I'm thinking we'll end up with is all of these symbols of the hazards, the, the sticks in our lives and in us. We will have moved them out of the way of our ability to follow Jesus, and we will have set them down here in Capernaum where Jesus told his disciples, you're better off without it, and we'll leave them here. So when we start to sing, I invite you just to come as you're ready and able and do that. Grab one of these cones and sit it here. And also, I want you to know that while we're singing, if there's something going on in your life that you would like somebody to pray with you about, we have folks who are trained and prepared and willing to pray for you, to pray with you, and they're going to be by the stained glass windows back here on either side. So as we're singing and people are coming to move cones, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, you can just go right back here. And they'll be there. they got name tags on, say, see our care. And also, this will be the time to give back to God our offering, our tithe. And so if you want to give, these are the ways that you can do that. They're up on the screen. You can do it with your phone. You can do it uh, out here at the kiosk. There's even baskets by the doors if you have, like, checks or cash. Um, you can put them in those baskets. And we'll just do all that while we sing our last song together. So I want to ask you if you pray with me, and then after we pray, we'll sing. God, we're so thankful for Jesus, for his teaching, his ways, his words, his wisdom. We hear you calling us to listen to him. And so now as Jesus has warned us on this journey of faith, not to be a stick, to be something that would cause somebody to fall into the trap of not trusting Jesus. God, put that in us, please. That we would leave here with it. It would be a part of who we are. And, and also that we would be mindful and aware of the things in our lives or the things in us that cause us to fall into that trap of not trusting you. God, give us the wisdom, the courage, the power of your Holy Spirit to lay those things down, to cut them off and be done with them. And so even as we come and pick up these hazard cones and move them up to Capernaum and set them down and leave them there, God, would you bless that movement? Would you bless that experience that it would take hold in us? And everything we give as our offering, God, we give it freely, trusting you that you'll take it and use it and multiply it to bless our neighbors and to bless our world. This is our prayer together today in the name of Jesus. Amen.